Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society Field Medical Focus Area Working Group's podcast series entitled Field Medical Stakeholders, Partnering for Today and Tomorrow. In this 13th podcast, we will be discussing training. I'm Katherine Gann. I'm a member of the Field Medical Focus Area Working Group, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. Currently, I'm an independent consultant in medical affairs, having spent my 30-year career as an MSL, an MSL manager, and an MSL trainer. Our legal disclaimer is as follows. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about partnering with field medical stakeholders with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to field medical to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives for this series of podcasts are that at the end of this series, the participant will be able to one, discuss the functions and activities of key internal stakeholders, and two, identify potential areas for compliant collaboration by MSLs with those key internal stakeholders. I'd like to thank today's panelists for sharing their subject matter expertise with the MAPS membership. Speaking today are Eleonora Goldberg, Director, Global Field Medical Capabilities at Amgen, and Eleonora will be our interviewer and Michelle Davey, Director, Global Scientific Training, Global Medical Affairs at Merck. And Michelle will be our interviewee. Eleanor, I'm going to turn this interview over to you now. So could you kick us off, please, by telling us a little bit about yourself and your current position? Yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Eleanor Goldberg, and I am the Director of Global Field Medical Capabilities. I have the privilege in this role to enhance the role uh, and impact of the field medical organization. And with that, I'd like to hand it over to Michelle to introduce yourself as well. Sure, thanks, Eleonora. And thanks to MAPS for inviting me to speak with you today. So I'm a DNP by training. Uh, so that means that I'm a nurse practitioner with my doctorate. I started my career in academic medicine, working at an academic medical center for almost 20 years, both in clinical practice and doing clinical research as a sub-investigator in the infectious disease and pediatric HIV and prevention of mother-to-child transmission areas. I was recruited into pharma in 2003, first for a commercial role, and then I made my way over to medical affairs as an MSL. I joined my current company in 2016 for a field-based medical affairs director MSL position. And in 2018, I transitioned to a US medical affairs headquarters role, which was the precursor for the role I have now as the global director for global scientific training. That's great. Thank you so much for that introduction. Can you explain to us what global scientific training does? Sure. So Global Scientific Training, or GST, is responsible for the medical and scientific education of the medical scientists, or MSLs, globally. Having a centralized function for scientific training allows for one medical voice and one source of scientific truth for the company. 
So based on our scientific strategy, I developed the annual global scientific training plan for my therapeutic area, collaborate with other global and regional team members to create the training and training resources, deliver the training, and then assess the quality and effectiveness of the training. And training can include anything from new scientific literature for journal clubs, therapeutic area foundational training to Congress training or to basic science scientific training on a new mechanism of action. If it is something that our MSLs may be discussing during scientific exchange with scientific leaders, it falls under my responsibilities. And how is it that the GST team is structured in your company? So GST is divided by therapeutic areas in my company with a director leading each of the different TAs or therapeutic areas. And the GST group sits within the Field Medical Center of Excellence, which also is responsible for the core skills and capabilities training of our field teams, as well as strategic and operational support. And the Field Medical Center of Excellence is committed to promoting and supporting field medical excellence. The Field Medical COE sits within GMAC, or our Global Medical Affairs Capabilities Organization, which also is the umbrella organization for global scientific content development, which are materials that are used in the field by the MSLs during scientific exchange, as well as global medical information, global medical operations, and a bunch of other support functions. And GMAC sits within GMSA, or the Global Medical Scientific Affairs Organization, which is a medical and scientific affairs group of Merck Research Labs. So GST is just one integral part of the large support network that we have for the field. I love it. You guys have so many acronyms, just like we do. Um, <laughs> for sure. What, yeah, definitely. What is your role within this group? So as I mentioned earlier, I'm the director for global scientific training and specifically for the HIV therapeutic area. And I'm responsible for the planning, developing, and delivering of all of the medical and scientific education for our HIV field medical teams worldwide. And so who would you say are your main internal customers? So our main customers would be the global HIV field medical teams. And at my company, that means any medical or scientific affairs individual that has any field-facing responsibilities. So although it's primarily MSLs or medical scientists, it could also mean um, medical advisors, it could be medical directors, country medical directors, regional directors, depending on where you are located in the world. Each country looks a little bit different. And then I also work very closely and collaboratively with our strategy team members, as well as our field medical leadership teams. But the global field medical teams are my primary stakeholder or customer. That's great. And, and there's so much that can be done in training. Can you share with us some of the innovative initiatives that you're currently working on? For sure. Um, so, you know, recognizing that adult learners need a variety of training modalities for effective learning, we're always exploring new and creative ways to deliver instruction apart from the formal didactic method. And as we're all working virtually now, this can be quite challenging since we only really have one forum for communication. So over the past year, or I'll say at least at least for the past yeah, for the past year, um, we've piloted using experiential learning via virtual breakout rooms. Um, using scenario-based learning, so allowing the field medical teams to practice articulating new data by, as well as using um, external scientific content resources that they would be using during scientific exchange in the field, 
And then having a manager, a strategy lead, or a peer provide feedback. And that has proven to be a real effective training modality, especially for that kinesthetic learner. And I've also capitalized on the scientific congresses now moving to virtual platforms, which requires presenters to record their oral presentations or even their poster presentations. And I've turned those into recordings of our own company's data presentations into um, individual training podcasts with summaries of key scientific communication points, as well as data contextualization, or the strategic context, providing the why is this important, or what does this mean for me, the MSL, what does this mean for the company or for patients? And the MSLs can access and listen to the five to 10 minute podcast at their own pace when it's convenient for them, which really helps to meet the needs then of the auditory learner. We've also initiated the use of a micro learning platform via the MSL's mobile devices, either their iPad or their mobile phone, to reinforce key concepts, make the information more easily accessible. I think the last two modalities will probably um, have even better benefit when the field is back to having in-person face-to-face interactions and they can access the micro learning platform or the podcast on the go. So we've also built off of some of our um, in-person training successes by moving those successes to virtual programs. So by implementing um, a two to three day virtual training session for just a few hours each day, instead of what we would normally have had face-to-face over a a few days in a row, um, where we can integrate scientific education with training on those core skills and capabilities that are so important for our field-based teams. And this is also proven to be very successful as well. That's really great. Um, Really nice to hear. Now, for the MSLs that are in the audience, they may be asking themselves, you know, I want to be more involved or I really like this area. Um, How would you how would you say that they can interact with you and your department or similar departments? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's really and a really, really important one. Um, it's so important for the field medical team to interact with my department specifically for training, as they're just not my biggest stakeholder, but they are the end user of the information and the training. So as a former M- MSL, I, I'm really committed and passionate in ensuring that the field has a voice in global scientific training. And I actually lead a work stream known as the voice of the field, which helps to determine and then promote appropriate and compliant forums for gathering input and feedback for all stages of the scientific training. So from annual planning to development of training resources, to execution of the training, as well as to figuring out how to best assess the quality and effectiveness of the training. And one of the new initiatives that I've implemented within my HIV therapeutic area is a global field medical advisory board, which is an incredible forum for gathering just that type of insight and feedback from all of the regions. As you know, I'm sure you know, there are different needs in different regions and countries, and I need to make sure that I'm meeting all of my learners' needs, not just the larger countries or specific regions, um, depending on their markets. So, Additionally, I think what's really important too is that many of our medical scientists have expertise in a variety of areas. So for example, in my therapeutic area, some are virologists who have done extensive research in HIV or drug development, or they could be physicians, um, nurse practitioners, or PharmDs that have clinical experience and may even be still practicing within a given um, therapeutic area. And the expertise that they can provide is really incredible. And I I truly support their involvement in in helping to train their peers and assist with improving the scientific knowledge of their colleagues by involving them in in developing and delivering the various trainings that are offered. 
That's great. Um, and, and I think many of our audience is MSLs. And you mentioned at the beginning of your introduction that you were an MSL as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about your career path and how it led you to the current position and how, an MS, how the MSL role prepared you for this position? Yeah. So as, as I mentioned earlier, prior to coming to Pharma, I was a nurse practitioner working in academic medicine, and I had the opportunity to teach both in the School of Medicine and the School of Nursing. So I had you know, a higher education background, and I really you know, believe that MSLs are really educators, right? They're scientific educators. So that was a real natural fit for me. And I worked in the field-based role for quite some time, but I did have an interest in HQ position. And fortunately for me, my company supports remote work for many different roles, and an opportunity came up to become the U.S. training and content director for, um, for a different TA, actually, than, than what I was currently working in. And I thought that that would be something very different, but also very familiar, and that I would still be educated in training my colleagues. And having the MSL background was so important. So I knew what good, effective, or I know what good, effective scientific exchange looks like in the field. And I understood field strategy and execution. So I really had a a good idea and a good foundation of my stakeholder needs and what they would need to be successful in the field. So I accepted the opportunity. I loved it. And when my current company had a restructuring a few years back, I was asked to take on the global position for scientific training. And after a bit of time and expansion of the team, I went back to focusing specifically on HIV. And I think what the audience should take away is that no matter what the therapeutic area is, um, the MSL communication skills, the listening skills, the skills with handling challenging questions and difficult situations, um, presentation skills, and the expertise in relationship building are all the same across therapeutic areas, and they're so important in an HQ position as well. So you bring all that to your to an HQ role, and, and having that field-based background has definitely contributed to the success that I've had in in my in my current role and my and my prior HQ role as well. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been so informative. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone in the audience did as well. I think this concludes um, the podcast, and I'll hand it back over to Catherine. Thank you, Eleonora and Michelle. That was really interesting. And as a former MSL trainer, I have to admit, I loved it when Michelle talked about a learning, adult learning principles, something near and dear to my heart. So, in line with our learning objectives, I think participants should now have a better understanding of the role and function of training and particularly the breadth of the, what the training department does, and then also how MSLs may compliantly interact with training. And Michelle gave us some great examples of how she works with MSLs. So this has been the 13th podcast in the series on the topic of field medical stakeholders partnering for today and tomorrow. If you're a MAPS member, Thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like access to additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining. And that website is medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes the podcast.